0: Great to have you Um, again at the 11 o'clock. If you could scoot in a little bit. We still got some people wandering in wanting to get a a seat. If you could do that, we'd appreciate it. Um, There's some room at 9 o'clock. So, you know, if you could shift over, I don't know there was still a lot, a lot of room at, at the Saturday night, but I do want to encourage you to think about trying to get out at 11, Eleven's always the one that goes first. So thanks for being here. We're glad you're here. Scoot in. Let's uh, fill the place up. We started this. What would Jesus hate last week? We decided that Jesus would hate anything that gets in the way of his love. Okay. That's where I'm coming at from this last week. I talked about uh, how Jesus got mad when the disciples tried to keep the children from coming to him. And he said, let the children come to me and, and don't mess with my kids because Because if you mess with my kids, you'd be better off sunk in the bottom of the lake, okay? So then we talked a little bit about what we could do about it. And I just want to thank you because our our, our crisis pregnancy center was inundated. We had at least 30 people sign up to help them. Um, Our adoption uh, booth that we had set up, we got all kinds of families. We talked last week if 7% of the world's Christians would adopt, there'd be no orphans left. And we got a lot of people thinking about it. So you're going to see a lot of kids from a lot of different nations around here. And I'm excited about that. And we sponsor, between the two campuses, another 170 kids in Nairobi, Africa. So give yourselves a hand. Here's what that means. That's basically like we just started a school in the slums last weekend. Just this one church, we just started a school. We basically have four schools worth. We have almost 800 kids now in Nairobi that are sponsored by Parkview Church. What does that mean? They get a meal every day. Most of the kids in the slums aren't getting a meal like this. And they get schooling every day. And they have hope for the future. Four schools worth because we're taking Jesus seriously. So we're going to do that because Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you're doing it for me. Right. So if Jesus came to the 21st century, why, what would he think? That's what, that's what our question is. I've been paying attention just in the last few months to the things that I think would make Jesus angry. I've noticed as I read Jesus's words, that there were a lot of things that he said that were either a, an indictment against someone or a story in to indict someone basically there were some 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 reason that he was angry and he was angry at the current school of religious thought this is why this is what's red flagging it for me okay because it's really easy for me to look back and you know think well i'm doing everything that jesus wanted me to do but it was really easy for the pharisees and the sadducees and the teachers of the law to say hey i'm looking at the scripture and i'm doing everything god tells me to do too if if jesus came today who would be who would the religious establishment be I mean, and if, I put my, if we've put today in, in their terms, the religious leaders of today would be the bishops, the cardinals, the seminary professors, the uh, denominational presidents, megachurch pastors. We would be the people that, are, that Jesus would say, you're leading the religious establishment now. Are you doing what I want you to do? That's the question. If we're supposed to put on Jesus we're supposed to be disciples of him then we need to figure out what he was angry about and figure out to make sure that we're not just you know trying to do all the things that Jesus would love and forgetting about the things that Jesus got angry about now today we don't see Jesus angry okay today i am uh, i'm guessing and i'll just tell you this that Jesus would be angry today because of some things that he said very poignantly in the ministry when he was here. Okay? We get to the end of Jesus' life. It's his last night on earth. And Jesus prays his last prayer. His last prayer is in John 17. If you've got your Bibles, you can flip over there yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John 17, here's what he prays. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who also will believe in me through their message. So I'm praying for the disciples and I'm praying for everybody that comes after me. What am I praying? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, again, what would Jesus hate is anything that would get in the way of his love. So Jesus is saying, my last prayer for you is that you would be one in each other as the Father and I are one together, okay? That's the thing that I really want you to get a hold of. That's the one thing that I pray for. So how are we doing in that department? Here's what I think Jesus would hate about the 21st century. The 2001 edition of the World Christian Encyclopedia says we have 33,000 different denominations of Christians in the world. One, 33,000. How are we doing? Jesus would hate the landscape of Christianity today. I can tell you that. I feel very strongly about it. Another one of those viral uh, internet things that went around was uh, this little argument that the Catholic and the Presbyterian churches were having with each other on their church signs. The Catholic church put out on their sign, All dogs go to heaven. I don't know why. The Presbyterian church did not like it. So they put, only humans go to heaven, read the Bible. So the Catholic church put, God loves all his creations, dogs included. The Presbyterians put, dogs don't have souls, this is not open for debate. The Catholics put, Catholic dogs go to heaven, Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. The Presbyterians put, converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. The Catholics put, free dog souls with conversion. <laughs> Catholics win this one, by the way. Dogs aren't animals, the Presbyterian said. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. The Catholics said, all rocks go to heaven. Now... It's okay to laugh at that because it wasn't really true. I did a little work on this and found out that uh, there's an actual website. There's a website for everything. There's a website that you can go to and generate your own church signs, okay? I made my own right here from the Holy Harlow Church, okay? It was all made up, thankfully. You know, I'm thankful for that because if that was going on out in the world, how would it make the world feel? Well, guess what? The reason we laughed about that is because we know that that's not too far from the truth. Churches fighting against each other is something that's been going on for a long time. Christians fighting against each other is something that's gone on from the very beginning, as a matter of fact. If you've got your finger in John 17, flip over to Mark 9 for a second, or I'll put it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It started at the very beginning. Listen to this. Teacher said, John, this is John. We saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Are you kidding me? What was he doing? He was driving out demons in Jesus' name. And the disciples said, hey, you're not one of us. Stop that. Demon, you get back in there. Well, what were they doing? <laughs> Jesus said, do not stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For listen to this and remember it. For whoever is not against us is for us. Come on, you guys. He's casting out demons in Jesus' name. This is good, okay? I know you don't know them. And you know what the real problem was? The real problem was jealousy. If you look back at, at, at Mark 9 a little bit, you can see what happened, okay? Here's, where, here's what really happened. What really happened is the disciples earlier in Mark 9 were trying to drive out demons. And they had one they couldn't get out. Well, This is kind of funny, you know? Get, demon, come out. Come, please come out. You know, I'll give you some money if you come out. The demon wouldn't come out. So Jesus kind of gets on him. Here's his words in verse 19. He says, I mean, Jesus is tough sometimes. I want you to see this. On the disciples, he said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And he knocked the demon out of him and they went on their merry way. So you see what happened? Jesus got mad at disciples because they couldn't cast out a demon. They're walking along, and all of a sudden they see some other disciples that they don't know casting out a demon, and it worked, and they're jealous. It's kind of the bottom line for a lot of what happens in Christianity. It's jealousy. They say there's a big difference in the wild on the range between wild horses and wild donkeys. Wild horses, I mean, back in the days, in the frontier days, there were wild donkeys that roamed around just as much as there were packs of wild horses. The problem is that donkeys didn't last as long because horses are smarter than donkeys. Okay, there's a reason that we understand who they are and the difference between them. Wild horses, I'm told, when they are attacked by a mountain lion or a pack of wolves or whatever, when they're attacked, they will put their heads together with their feet out so that they can kick out at... The wild animal. Now, imagine if you've ever been around horses, you always want to stay away from the back end, right? Because you don't want to get kicked by one of those. So imagine there's five or six or, or eight horses with their heads together and all their all their hands in kicking out. You're a wolf, you're a coyote, you're like, forget that. I'm going after a rabbit. I don't want to mess with that, right? You know what donkeys do? Wild donkeys do exactly the opposite. They stick their heads out and they kick each other. I'm not kidding. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like the body of Christ sometimes? Here's what happened, okay? In the very beginning, the church was strong. There was persecution immediately by Nero and by the people around People were dying. All but one of the apostles died a martyr's death for their faith. And and what did that do? That brought them together, and they got their heads together, and they kicked out, and, and it made them grow, and it made them strong. But along the way, donkeys have infiltrated our ranks. And today we see a lot of that kind of behavior going on all over the world. Let me be clear. I think it's perfectly wonderful that there are different churches for people who believe differently. Everybody can't go to one church. I certainly don't want everybody here, okay? But it's okay for that to happen. At the same time, we all have to make sure that we work together. That was Jesus' last prayer. Max Alcato wrote it really well. Let me read this to you. God has enlisted enlisted us in His navy and placed us on His ship. The boat has one purpose: to carry us safely to the other shore. It's not a cruise ship; it's a battleship. We aren't called to a life of leisure. We're called to a life of service. Everyone has a different task. Some are concerned with those who are drowning and snatching people from water. Other, uh, others are occupied with the enemy, so they man the cannons of prayer and worship. Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and, and training the crew members. Though different, we're all the same. Each of us can tell of a personal encounter with the captain. Everyone got a personal call. He found us in the seaport, and he invited us onto the ship. We have all followed him across the gangplank of his grace onto the same boat. One captain, one destination. And though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe, for our captain is God, it will not sink. There is, however, concern for the disharmony of the crew. When we first boarded the crew, we assumed that others were like us. And as we wandered these decks, we've encountered some curious converts with forms we've never seen, sporting styles we've never witnessed. Why do you look the way you do? Funny, they say, we were wondering the same about you. For example, there's a group who clusters every morning for serious study, and they promote rigid discipline and somber expressions. Serving the captain is serious business, they explain. No coincidence, they tend to congregate around the stern. There's another regiment that believes in prayer. Not only do they believe in prayer, they believe in prayer by kneeling, and for that reason you can always find them at the bow of the ship. Boom, And then there are a few who staunchly believe real wine should be used in the Lord's Supper. You'll find them on the port side okay here we go so still another group has positioned themselves near the engine they spend hours examining the nuts and the bolts of the boat they've been known to go below deck and not come up for days they are occasionally criticized by those who linger on the top deck feeling the wind in their hair and the sun on their face it's not what you learn those topside argue it's what you feel that matters and oh how we tend to cluster Some think once you're on the boat, you can't get off. Others say you'd be foolish to go overboard, but the choice is yours. Some believe you volunteer for service. Others believe you were destined for service before the ship was built. Some predict a storm of great tribulation will strike before we dock. Others say the storm won't hit until we're safely ashore. There are those who speak to the captain in a personal language and those who think such languages are extinct. There are those who think the officers should wear robes. Those who think there should be no officers. Those who think we're all officers and we should all wear robes. And oh, how we tend to cluster. And then there's the weekly meeting at which the captain is thanked and his words are read. All agree on its importance, but few agree on its nature. Some want it loud, others want it quiet. Some want ritual, others want spontaneity. Some want to celebrate so they can meditate, others want to meditate so that they can celebrate. Some want a meeting for those who've gone overboard, others want to reach those overboard, but without going overboard and neglecting those who were on board. And oh, how we tend to cluster. The consequence is a rocky boat, trouble on deck. Fights have broken out, sailors refusing to speak to each other, even times when one group refuses to acknowledge the presence of others on the ship. Most tragically, some adrift at sea have chosen not to board the boat because of the quarreling of the sailors. What do we do, we'd ask the captain. How can there be harmony? On the last night of his life, Jesus prayed the prayer that stands as a citadel for all Christians, Max writes. I pray for these followers, but I'm praying for all those who believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they can be one in us and the world will believe that you have sent me. Jesus, knowing the end is near, prays one final time, Max says. Striking, isn't it, that he prayed not for their success, not for their safety, not for their happiness, He prayed for their unity, prayed that they would love one another. In Jesus' last prayer, he prayed that you and I would be one. Early in my pastorate at this church, and the church was pretty small back in the early 90s, there was me and one other pastor on staff. We went over to visit a family who was coming to our church at that point, and um, they, they were young Christians, and they had some older Christian friends, that wanted to meet with us and find out some doctrinal things. Well, we didn't realize it, but what we really walked into was a huge debate. I mean, these people, these these big brothers and sisters in the Lord, wanted to debate us about a doctrinal point we weren't really even sure we had an opinion on, you know? And as I've studied it more over the last 15 years or so, I realize I have less of it. It's one of those unanswerable questions that Christians have been divided over for years and years and years. So as we were trying to maybe argue kind of the point that we thought might be ours, we really got hammered. I mean, these people, they, these people had their defense. They had their arguments down. They had the Bible, you know, verses all memorized. And they just, they just hammered us. And we just kind of walked away going, yeah, you know, sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure this is really that important, but you win, okay? And you know what they said to me? They said to, they said to both of us, they, they said, you ought to get out of the ministry until you get your doctrine straight. That's literally what they told me. Is that what Jesus would love, or is that what Jesus would hate? Is that horses, or is that donkeys? It bothers me, because I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people out there in the world don't get on the boat, as Max wrote. It's because they see the quarreling of the sailors, and they think, well, why would I want to get on that boat? They're just a bunch of people that are fighting with each other. It was cool, because I actually got to hear Max read this for the first time at a promise keepers conference for pastors from all over the country and there were like 40,000 pastors from all different kinds of denominations and when Max read that thing about the boat I mean the place just busted up laughing as we laughed at the differences that we have and we really can't it was, it was a really Holy Spirit led moment it was one of those moments that I think Jesus would have just been so proud and then the moment when the people told me ought to get out of ministry because I didn't believe the way they did would have been one of those moments that Jesus hates here's what Here's what I need you to know, okay? If I ever catch any of you from Parkview having one of those we're better than you moments with somebody from another church, I will kick you myself. Are we clear on that? Okay? We're not better than anybody else. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all together on the same ship. We're all supposed to be working together. The psalmist said it this way, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. What happens there? There the Lord bestows his blessing and even life evermore. You want the blessing of the Lord? We're supposed to dwell together in unity. That's the way it's supposed to be. Paul said, be perfectly united in mind and thought. Agree with one another so there may be no divisions among you. Unity was not optional. It was mandated by the word. New Testament word for agree is the word we get symphony from. It means to sound together. Okay, look, it's okay that there are different flavors. It's okay. I don't think there should just be one denomination. I mean, that didn't work out so well when everybody was under one thing. Okay, I really really think that's okay but if somebody's playing a violin and somebody's playing the flute and somebody's playing the timpani they ought to all be working together so that we make beautiful music so that those people out there can hear it and want to listen and want to be a part of it that's the way it's supposed to work now maybe you're here at parkview today and you're not sure what kind of instrument this is let me just assure you of a couple of things okay we're a non-denominational church that does not mean we're against denominations that means we ain't got one Okay, that's all it means. There's no other denomination that we're a part of. We're a completely independent church. Okay, our goal is to bring everybody together. So you're going to find, as I do a little exercise at the end of this sermon, you're going to find that we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds here. And I think that makes God happy. Let me say one other thing. We are not Protestants. I don't know who it is that decided that all the world had to get divided up between Catholics and Protestants. Okay? I don't know who made that up, but I'm not playing by those rules. The root word of Protestant is protest. Okay? I am not protesting the Catholic Church. Most of you came from a Catholic background, and the very last thing I want to do is try to protest where you came from. Okay? We just want to bring the body of Christ together. Let me tell you something. Jim Caviezel, the actor who played Jesus, is coming in a few weeks. He is a strong, practicing Catholic. If one of you knuckleheads goes up to him and says, Jim, I just love Parkview so much more than the Catholic church I grew up in, what am I going to do? I'm going to kick you, okay? I just want to make sure you got that down, all right? This church... It started in 1951. I know a lot of you would be surprised at that. It's been around for a long time. It came out of a movement that started in the early 1800s in our country called the Restoration Movement. Okay? What, what happened was that there were preachers coming over from England into the new country here, and what they were finding is there weren't a lot of churches like theirs. Okay? One guy that started this thing, his name was Thomas Campbell, he was a preacher in Scotland in the, listen to this, Old Light Antiburger Seceder Presbyterian Church. can you imagine putting that on your sign we 're the old light antiburger seceder Presbyterians if you 're an old light Antiburger seceder Presbyterian, please come and worship here with us if you 're a new light or a bud light or some other kind of light you 're not welcome here and by the way we 're antiburger i don 't know what that means we 're vegetarian i don 't know whatever. <laughs> And we're seceder and we're Presbyterian. So if you could get those four things all lined up, you could worship with us. So he comes over to the new country, comes over to America. And he can't find any of them. He's like, I want to start a church, but there's no old light antiburger seceder, Presbyterian. So what am I supposed to do? So he decides, well, maybe I should just read the Bible and preach the Bible and like see what happens. And that's pretty much where we're at today. Let's just read the Bible and preach the Bible and see what happens. They had some church slogans that they adopted. One was from the great church father Augustine, which said this it's beautiful. In doctrine, we'll have unity. In matters of opinion, we'll have liberty. And in all things, love. Isn't that good? In, in doctrine, unity. I mean, we, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the way to heaven. We've got to have unity on the things that are doctrinally important. But in matters of opinion, drinking, dancing, speaking in tongues, whatever it is that there's a matter of opinion on, we're going to have a lot of liberty. And in all things, we're going to have love, because that's what Jesus prayed for. Anytime you get in a church that thinks, now the second phrase is this, we're not Christians only, we're not the only Christians, but we're Christians only. We're not the only Christians, we're Christians only, okay? If you ever get at a church and they think they're the only Christians, run away. Please, that's cult, Okay? Now, I'm going to tell, it reminds me of a great joke. It's very, very funny, but I don't want to pick on a denomination, so I'm going to ask for you. Somebody call out a denomination name. Catholic. Catholic. Okay, I'm picking on the Catholics today because of Mike, okay? it's not my joke okay this guy's going through heaven and uh, he's died and saint peter's taking him on a tour of heaven and he's going along and you know and peter is like hey look here's the methodist room there's the methodist in there and there's the presbyterian room and there's the baptist room and there's the charismatic room yeah it's kind of loud in there you know he's kind of going around and he's showing everybody and then he gets really quiet and he says now listen be really quiet going by here this is the catholic room and they think they're the only ones here it's Mike's joke. I'm, I'm, it's not mine. I'm, I'm a pick. It was Baptist in the last service. It could be any denomination. It could be the church, It could be a Christian church like this that I grew up in. A lot of times, people think they're the only ones there. You know, they're going to be the only ones in heaven. They're the only ones that have everything figured out, okay? That's not true. It's just not true. I did my undergraduate work at a very conservative Bible college affiliated with this movement that we're a part of got my master's degree from a Southern Baptist seminary, did some of the work at a Presbyterian seminary, and did an internship in an Episcopalian hospital. My doctorate is from a different kind of non-denominational grad school, which had professors and students from every flavor and a bunch of different countries. And you know what I've found? As I've gotten out there in the rest of the world, the more I'm around Christians who aren't like me, the deeper I grow. Because there are a lot of people out there who believe differently than me, that follow God in Ways that I don't understand and they make me a better person. Paul said it like this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Listen to this. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Just as you were called to one hope, okay? When you were called, there was one Lord, there was one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One hope, there's one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. It happens within churches as well. You know, I mean, a lot of times we uh, we fight within our own ranks we have people in inside of a church and a lot of you have gone through the scars of that there's fighting over this and fighting over that could it be my friends that the same god who forgives our imperfections can forgive the imperfections of the people around us plus you know really who cares most of the things the body of christ has been divided over in the in the in the last two thousand years have been things that really don't matter they're really not that important You know, what the end times, how Jesus is going to come back, right? How to pray, how to worship, when to worship, what days are supposed to be special. Listen to what Paul says as they're already arguing in the church at Rome. Here's what Paul says in Romans 14. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? He says, verse 10, why do you judge your brother or look down on your brother? Verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Verse 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. And then in verse 19, he kind of clinches the whole thing. He says, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. It took me a while in this life to realize there were a lot of good people who believe differently than I do. Some of them are wrong, and you know what? One I'm going to find out is when Jesus comes back, I was wrong too. Matter of fact, it does me a lot of good. I hope it doesn't freak you out for me as your pastor to tell you this, but I have been wrong before. (laughs) My daughter's up in the balcony somewhere. You can ask her. I have been wrong before, and I will be wrong again. Okay, I've I've even changed my mind in 25 years of ministry about some things along the way, and I'm in a different place now than I was before. I want you to know that. It's pretty freeing for me to realize that I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. As a matter of fact, I would like for all of you to get over that too. So could you just repeat after me, I am wrong. wrong. And some of you husbands and wives are like, what? What was that? Let's do it again. Okay, get your little recorder ready on your cell phone. Here we go. I am wrong. I am wrong. All right, see, do you see how easy that is? Once you get over that fact, you can get over the pl- to the place where everybody on the ship doesn't have to necessarily believe in you because you might be wrong. And once you get to that point, it makes everything a lot better. We're called to unity, not being right. That's what we're called to. He didn't pray, I, I pray, Lord, that their, doctrine will be, that their doctrine will be exactly right. He didn't pray for that. He prayed, make them one, make them one. So what are we gonna do? I told you during this series, we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do something. Uh, we're going to talk about what we can do to solve this problem. Last week, we, we had a great head start with the children thing. This week, is a couple of things. One thing we're going to do as a church, you don't have to really have a part of, but we decided as a church that we're going to have a little uh, a little conference. We're calling it Synergy. We're having a little conference a week from Monday. We invited, we did this several weeks ago, but we sent out invitations to 1,200 neighboring churches. Basically, any church within a, a you know, certain mile radius, we sent out an invitation to, and we invited them. Plus, we got churches from Champagne and churches from all over that are going to come to this thing. I invited my friend Dave Stone, who preaches at one of the largest churches in the country down at Southeast in Louisville. Uh, our friend who comes and preaches every once in a while. He's going to come up and he's going to lead. He's going to teach. We're going to have roundtable discussions where we can learn from them and they. Man, here's what I think Jesus would hate about the 21st century. The, the 2001 edition of the World Christian Encyclopedia says we have 33 thousand Different denominations of Christians in the world. One, 33,000. How are we doing? Jesus would hate the landscape of Christianity today. I can tell you that. I feel very strongly about it. Another one of those viral uh, internet things that went around was uh, this little argument that the Catholic and the Presbyterian churches were having with each other on their church signs. The Catholic Church put out on their sign, All dogs go to heaven. I don't know why. The Presbyterian church didn't like it. So they put, only humans go to heaven, read the Bible. So the Catholic church put, God loves all his creations, dogs included. The Presbyterians put, dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. The Catholics put, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. The Presbyterians put, Converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. The Catholics put, free dog souls with conversion. Catholics win this one, by the way. Dogs aren't animals, the Presbyterians said. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. The Catholics said, all rocks go to heaven. Now... It's okay to laugh at that because it wasn't really true. I did a little work on this and found out that uh, there's an actual website. There's a website for everything. There's a website that you can go to and generate your own church signs, okay? I made my own right here from the Holy Harlow Church, okay? It was all made up, thankfully. You know, I'm thankful for that because if that was going on out in the world, how would it make the world feel? Well, guess what? The reason we laughed about that is because we know that that's not too far from the truth. Churches fighting against each other is something that's been going on for a long time. Christians fighting against each other is something that's gone on from the very beginning, as a matter of fact. If you got your finger in John 17, flip over to Mark 9 for a second, or I'll put it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It started at the very beginning. Listen to this. Teacher said, John, this is John. We saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Are you kidding me? What was he doing? He was driving out demons in Jesus' name. And the disciples said, hey, you're not one of us. Stop that. Demon, you get back in there. Well, what were they doing? <laughs> Jesus said, do not stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For listen to this and remember it. For whoever is not against us is for us. Come on, you guys. He's casting out demons in Jesus' name. This is good, okay? I know you don't know them. And you know what the real problem was? The real problem was jealousy. If you look back at, at Mark 9 a little bit, you can see what happened, okay? Here's, where, here's what really happened. What really happened is the disciples earlier in Mark 9 were trying to drive out demons. And they had one they couldn't get out. This is just, just kind of funny, you know? Get demon, come out. Come, please come out. You know, I'll give you some money if you come out. The demon wouldn't come out. So Jesus kind of gets on him. Here's his words in verse 19. He says, I mean, Jesus is tough sometimes. I want you to see this. On the disciples, he said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And he knocked the demon out of him, and they went on their merry way. So you see what happened? Jesus got mad at disciples because they couldn't cast out a demon. They're walking along and all of a sudden they see some other disciples that they don't know casting out a demon and it worked and they're jealous. It's kind of the bottom line for a lot of what happens in Christianity. It's jealousy. They say there's a big difference in the wild on the range between wild horses and wild donkeys. Wild horses, I mean, back in the days, in the frontier days, there were wild donkeys that roamed around just as much as there were packs of wild horses. The problem is the donkeys didn't last as long because horses are smarter than donkeys. Okay, there's a reason that we understand who they are and the difference between them. Wild horses, I'm told, when they are attacked by a mountain lion or a pack of wolves or whatever, when they're attacked, they will put their heads together with their feet out so that they can kick out at the wild animal now imagine if you've ever been around horses you always want to stay away from the back end right you don't want to get kicked by one of those so imagine there's five or six or or eight horses with their heads together and all their all their hands in kicking out you're a wolf you're a coyote you're like forget that i'm going after a rabbit i don't want to mess with that right you know what donkeys do wild donkeys do exactly the opposite they stick their heads out and they kick each other i'm not kidding Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like the body of Christ sometimes? Here's what happened, okay? In the very beginning, the church was strong. There was persecution immediately by Nero and by the people around it. People were dying. All but one of the apostles died a martyr's death for their faith. And and what did that do? That brought them together, and they got their heads together, and they kicked out, and, and it made them grow, and it made them strong. But along the way, donkeys have infiltrated our ranks. And today we see a lot of that kind of behavior going on all over the world. Let me be clear. I think it's perfectly wonderful that there are different churches for people who believe differently. Everybody can't go to one church. I certainly don't want everybody here, okay? But it's okay for that to happen. At the same time, we all have to make sure that we work together. That was Jesus' last prayer. Max Lucado wrote it really well. Let me read this to you. God has enlisted, in his, enlisted us in his navy and placed us on his ship. The boat has one purpose, to carry us safely to the other shore. It's not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. We aren't called to a life of leisure, we're called to a life of service. Everyone has a different task. Some are concerned with those who are drowning and snatching people from water. Other, uh, others are occupied with the enemy, so they man the cannons of prayer and worship. Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and, and training the crew members. Though different, we're all the same. Each of us can tell of a personal encounter with the captain. Everyone got a personal call. He found us in the seaport, and he invited us onto the ship. We have all followed him across the gangplank of his grace onto the same boat. One captain, one destination. And though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe, for our captain is God, it will not sink. There is, however, concern for the disharmony of the crew. When we first boarded the crew, we assumed that others were like us, and as we wandered these decks, we've encountered some curious converts with forms we've never seen, sporting styles we've never witnessed. Why do you look the way you do? Funny, they say, we were wondering the same about you. For example, there's a group who clusters every morning for serious study and they promote rigid discipline and somber expressions. Serving the captain is serious business, they explain. No coincidence, they tend to congregate around the stern. There's another regiment that believes in prayer. Not only do they believe in prayer, they believe in prayer by kneeling and for that reason you can always find them at the bow of the ship. Boom, boom. And then there are a few who staunchly believe real wine should be used in the Lord's Supper. You'll find them on the Port side. Okay, here we go. So still another group has positioned themselves near the engine. They spend hours examining the nuts and the bolts of the boat. They've been known to go below deck and not come up for days. They're occasionally criticized by those who linger on the top deck, feeling the wind in their hair and the sun on their face. It's not what you learn, those topside argue. It's what you feel that matters. And oh, how we tend to cluster. Some think once you're on the boat, you can't get off. Others say you'd be foolish to go overboard, but the choice is yours. Some believe you volunteer for service. Others believe you were destined for service before the ship was built. Some predict a storm of great tribulation will strike before we dock. Others say the storm won't hit until we're safely ashore. There are those who speak to the captain in a personal language and those who think such languages are extinct. There are those who think the officers should wear robes. Those who think there should be no officers. Those who think we're all officers and we should all wear robes. And oh, how we tend to cluster. And then there's the weekly meeting at which the captain is thanked and his words are read. All agree on its importance, but few agree on its nature. Some want it loud. Others want it quiet. Some want ritual. Others want spontaneity. Some want to celebrate so they can meditate. Others want to meditate so that they can celebrate. Some want a meeting for those who've gone overboard. Others want to reach those overboard, but without going overboard, neglecting those who were on board. And oh, how we tend to cluster. The consequence is a rocky boat. Trouble on deck. Fights have broken out, sailors refusing to speak to each other, even times when one group refuses to acknowledge the presence of others on the ship. Most tragically, some adrift at sea have chosen not to board the boat because of the quarreling of the sailors. What do we do, we'd ask the captain. How can there be harmony? On the last night of his life, Jesus prayed the prayer that stands as a citadel for all Christians, Max writes. I pray for these followers, but I'm praying for all those who believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they can be one in us and the world will believe that you have sent me. Jesus, knowing the end is near, prays one final time, Max says. Striking, isn't it, that he prayed not for their success, not for their safety, not for their happiness, he prayed for their unity, prayed that they would love one another. In Jesus' last prayer, he prayed that you and I would be one. Early in my pastorate at this church, and the church was pretty small back in the early 90s, there was me and one other pastor on staff. We went over to visit a family who was coming to our church at that point, and um, they, they were young Christians, and they had some older Christian friends, That wanted to meet with us and find out some doctrinal things. Well, we didn't realize it, but what we really walked into was a huge debate. I mean, these people, these these big brothers and sisters in the Lord wanted to debate us about a doctrinal point we weren't really even sure we had an opinion on, you know? And as I've studied it more over the last 15 years or so, I realize I have less of it. It's one of those unanswerable questions that Christians have been divided over for years and years and years. So as we were trying to maybe argue kind of the point that we thought might be ours, we really got hammered. I mean, these people, they, these people had their defense. They had their arguments down. They had the Bible, you know, verses all memorized. And they just, they just hammered us. And we just kind of walked away going, yeah, you know, sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure this is really that important, but you win, okay? And you know what they said to me? They said to, they said to both of us. They, they said, you ought to get out of the ministry until you get your doctrine straight. That's literally what they told me. Is that what Jesus would love? Or is that what Jesus would hate? Is that horses? Or is that donkeys? It bothers me. Because I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people out there in the world don't get on the boat, as Max wrote. It's because they see the quarreling of the sailors and they think, why would I want to get on that boat? They're just a bunch of people that are fighting with each other. It was cool because I actually got to hear Max read this for the first time at a promise keepers conference for pastors from all over the country. And there were like 40,000 pastors from all different kinds of denominations. And when Max read that thing about the boat, I mean, the place just busted up laughing as we laughed at the differences that we have. And we really can't. It was was a really Holy Spirit led moment. It was one of those moments that I think Jesus would have just been so proud. And then the moment when the people told me I to get out of ministry because I didn't believe the way they did would have been one of those moments that Jesus hates. Here's what Here's what I need you to know, okay? If I ever catch any of you from Parkview having one of those we're better than you moments with somebody from another church, I will kick you myself. Are we clear on that? Okay? We're not better than anybody else. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all together on the same ship. We're all supposed to be working together. The psalmist said it this way, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. What happens there? There the Lord bestows his blessing and even life evermore. You want the blessing of the Lord? We're supposed to dwell together in unity. That's the way it's supposed to be. Paul said, be perfectly united in mind and thought. Agree with one another so there may be no divisions among you. Unity was not optional, it was mandated by the word. New Testament word for agree is the word we get symphony from. It means to sound together. Okay, look, it's okay that there are different flavors. It's okay. I don't think there should just be one denomination. I mean, that didn't work out so well when everybody was under one thing. Okay, I really, I really think that's okay but if somebody's playing a violin and somebody's playing the flute and somebody's playing the timpani they ought to all be working together so that we make beautiful music so that those people out there can hear it and want to listen and want to be a part of it that's the way it's supposed to work now maybe you're here at parkview today and you're not sure what kind of instrument this is let me just assure you of a couple of things okay we're a non-denominational church that does not mean we're against denominations that means we ain't got one Okay, that's all it means. There's no other denomination that we're a part of. We're a completely independent church. Okay, our goal is to bring everybody together. So you're going to find, as I do a little exercise at the end of this sermon, you're going to find that we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds here. And I think that makes God happy. Let me say one other thing. We are not Protestants. I don't know who it is that decided that all the world had to get divided up between Catholics and Protestants. Okay, I don't know who made that up, but I'm not playing by those rules. The root word of Protestant is protest, okay? I am not protesting the Catholic Church. Most of you came from a Catholic background, and the very last thing I want to do is try to protest where you came from, okay? We just want to bring the body of Christ together. Let me tell you something. Jim Caviezel, the actor who played Jesus, is coming in a few weeks. He is a strong, practicing Catholic. If one of you knuckleheads goes up to him and says, Jim, I just love Parkview so much more than the Catholic church I grew up in, what am I going to do? I'm going to kick you, okay? I just want to make sure you got that down, all right? This church... It started in 1951. I know a lot of you would be surprised at that. It's been around for a long time. It came out of a movement that started in the early 1800s in our country called the Restoration Movement. Okay? What, what happened was that there were preachers coming over from England into the new country here. And what they were finding is there weren't a lot of churches like theirs. Okay? One guy that started this thing, his name was Thomas Campbell. He was a preacher in Scotland in the, listen to this, Old Light Antiburger burger seceder presbyterian church can you imagine putting that on your sign we're the old light Antiburger burger seceder presbyterians if you're an old light antiburger burger seceder presbyterian please come and worship here with us if you're a new light or a bud light or some other kind of light you're not welcome here and by the way we're antiburger. burger i don't know what that means we're vegetarian i don't know whatever and we're seceder, and we're Presbyterian. So if you could get those four things all lined up, you could worship with us. So he comes over to the new country, he comes over to America, and he can't find any of them. He's like, I want to start a church, but there's no old Light Anteburger seceder, Presbyterian, so what am I supposed to do? So he decides, well, maybe I should just read the Bible and preach the Bible and, like, see what happens. And that's pretty much where we're at today. Let's just read the Bible and preach the Bible And see what happens. They had some church slogans that they adopted. One was from the great church father, Augustine, which said this. It's beautiful. In doctrine, we'll have unity. In matters of opinion, we'll have liberty. And in all things, love. Isn't that good? In in doctrine, unity. I mean, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the way to heaven. we got to have unity on the things that are doctrinally important. But in matters of opinion, drinking, dancing, speaking in tongues, whatever it is that there's a matter of opinion on, we're going to have a lot of liberty. And in all things, we're going to have love because that's what Jesus prayed for. Anytime you get in a church that thinks, now the second phrase is this we're not Christians only. We're not the only Christians, but we're Christians only. We're not the only Christians, we're Christians only, okay? If you ever get at a church and they think they're the only Christians, run away, please. That's cult, okay? Now, I'm going to tell, it reminds me of a great joke. It's very, very funny, but I don't want to pick on a denomination, so I'm going to ask for you. Somebody call out a denomination name. Catholic. Catholic. Okay, I'm picking on the Catholics today because of Mike, okay? It's not my joke, okay? This guy's going through heaven, and uh, he's died, and St. Peter's taking him on a tour of heaven, and he's going along, and you know, and Peter is like, hey, look, here's the Methodist room. There's the Methodist in there, and there's the Presbyterian room, and there's the Baptist room, and there's the Charismatic room. Yeah, it's kind of loud in there. You know, he's kind of going around, and he's showing everybody, and then he gets really quiet, and he says, now listen, be really quiet going by here. This is the Catholic room, and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> it's Mike's joke. I'm, I'm, It's not mine. I'm a I'm, picking... It was Baptist in the last service. It could be any denomination. It could be the church, it could be a Christian church like this that I grew up in. A lot of times people think they're the only ones there. You know, they're going to be the only ones in heaven. They're the only ones that have everything figured out, okay? That's not true. It's just not true. I did my undergraduate work at a very conservative Bible college affiliated with this movement that we're a part of. I got my master's degree from a Southern Baptist seminary did some of the work at a Presbyterian seminary, and did an internship in an Episcopalian hospital. My doctorate is from a different kind of non-denominational grad school, which had professors and students from every flavor and a bunch of different countries. And you know what I've found? As I've gotten out there in the rest of the world, the more I'm around Christians who aren't like me, the deeper I grow. Because there are a lot of people out there who believe differently than me, that follow God in ways that I don't understand, and they make me a better person. Paul said it like this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Listen to this. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Just as you were called to one hope, okay? When you were called... There was one Lord, there was one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One hope, there's one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. It happens within churches as well. You know, I mean, a lot of times we, uh, we fight within our own ranks. We have people in, inside of a church, and a lot of you have gone through the scars of that. There's fighting over this and fighting over that. Could it be, my friends, that the same God who forgives our imperfections can forgive the imperfections of the people around us? Plus, you know, really, who cares? Most of the things the body of Christ has been divided over in the, in the, in the last 2,000 years have been things that really don't matter. They're really not that important. You know, what the end times, how Jesus is going to come back, right? How to pray, how to worship, when to worship, what days are supposed to be special. Listen to what Paul says as they're already arguing in the church at Rome. Here's what Paul says in Romans 14. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? He says, verse 10, why do you judge your brother or look down on your brother? Verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Verse 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. And then in verse 19, he kind of clinches the whole thing. He says, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. It took me a while in this life to realize there were a lot of good people who believed differently than I do. Some of them are wrong, and you know what? One I'm going to find out is when Jesus comes back, I was wrong too. Matter of fact, it does me a lot of good. I hope it doesn't freak you out for me as your pastor to tell you this, but I have been wrong before. (laughs) My daughter's up in the balcony somewhere. You can ask her. I have been wrong before, and I will be wrong again. Okay, I've I've even changed my mind in 25 years of ministry about some things along the way, and I'm in a different place now than I was before. I want you to know that. It's pretty freeing for me to realize that I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. As a matter of fact, I would like for all of you to get over that too. So could you just repeat after me, I I am wrong. And some of you husbands and wives are like, what? What was that? Let's do it again, okay? Get your little recorder ready on your cell phone. Here we go. I am wrong. All right. See, do you see how easy that is? Once you get over that fact, you can get over the pl- to the place where everybody on the ship doesn't have to necessarily believe in you because you might be wrong. And once you get to that point, it makes everything a lot better. We're called to unity, not being right. That's what we're called to. He didn't pray. I, I pray, Lord, that their doctrine will be that their doctrine will be exactly right. He didn't pray for that. He prayed, make them one, make them one. So what are we going to do? I told you during this series, we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do something. Uh, we're going to talk about what we can do to solve this problem. Last week, we, we had a great head start with the children thing. This week, is a couple of things. One thing we're going to do as a church, you don't have to really have a part of, but we've decided as a church that we're going to have a little, uh, a little conference. We're calling it Synergy. We're having a little conference a week from Monday. We invited, we did this several weeks ago, but we sent out invitations to 1,200 neighboring churches. Basically, any church within a, a, you know, certain mile radius, we sent out an invitation to, and we invited them. Plus, we got churches from Champaign and churches from all over that are going to come to this thing. I invited my friend Dave Stone, who preaches at one of the largest churches in the country, down at Southeast in Louisville. Uh, our friend who comes and preaches every once in a while. He's going to come up, and he's going to lead. He's going to teach. We're going to have roundtable discussions where we can learn from them and they can learn from us. We're going to give them material. We're going to give them videos. We're going to give them sermon series. We're going to give them ideas on things that they can do. We're going to work together. We're going to give them a lunch and it's all going to be free. We decided that if we're going to, if we're going to be serious about unity in the body of Christ, and this was Bill's idea. I thought it was fantastic. If we're going to be serious about it and we're going to start by just inviting everybody in and getting together. So, if you know a pastor or a priest at another church who would like to come and find out what's going on at, at this church and find out you know, how we can learn from each other and sit in on this, please invite them. Have them call the church. It's a week from Monday, a week from tomorrow, and uh, we'd love to have them come. Okay? The other thing that you can do is there's a card in front of you in the chair back. I, I want to encourage you to do something, okay? just personally. Do you know someone that goes to another church? Do you know, especially if you know a pastor or a priest or a leader at another church, I would really encourage you to do this. You see there's a note card there. It's got our scripture down there at the bottom and just a little label from Parkview. You could stick it in the mail with a postcard stamp or whatever you want to do. But here's what I want you to do. Somebody at another church, even if you don't know a leader at another church, maybe there's somebody that doesn't like it too much that you go here, okay? I hear that story every once in a while. Maybe there's, you know, somebody that you've had disagreement with doctrinally or somewhere along the way. Would you just stop and take a moment and say, hey, we were talking about unity today at church. And I just want you to know you're my brother, you're my sister, and I love you. And I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your church. Wouldn't be very hard. We could send out 5,000 of these this weekend and we could start making a dent in the division of the body of Christ. I think that's what God would want us to do. Here's what Romans says. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. I'm going to show you a clip from a movie called Coach Carter. Samuel Jackson plays the part of Ken Carter, who was a successful sporting goods uh, business owner who went back to his high school in Richmond. This is a true story. Went back to his high school in Richmond, California, which is now a, a rough neighborhood, to coach the basketball team because they needed somebody to do it. Now, he's a tough coach, and he decides to take a tough approach. And this one guy that you're going to see in this scene, Timo Cruz, he uh, he decided he didn't like all the coach's rules, so he quit the team. Then he decided he wanted to come back on. The coach said, okay, but you're going to have to make up all the stuff that you've missed. You're going to have to make up all the, all the suicide runs and all the push-ups and all the things that we been doing, you're gonna to have to make it up. So we see the scene where we see what happens right here.
1: Bring it in, guys. Up. On, Go, slap. Yo, bring it in, y'all. Slap. All right, that's it for today. We have a game tomorrow, so get some rest tonight. And remember, ties and jackets tomorrow. Clay. Mr. Cruz, I'm impressed with what you've done, but you came up short. You owe me 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. Please leave my gym. Thanks, Clyde. Gentlemen, see you tomorrow. I'll do push-ups for him.
2: You said we're a team.
0: One person struggles and we all struggle.
1: One player triumphs, we all triumph, right? I'll do something. I'll run suicides too.
2: Time too.
1: But right. let's keep count. Call me when they're done.
0: There've been times in my life when I was that guy, I guess I'll do some too. I was the last one on. No longer. Parkview is always going to be the first one to say we're a team. We're going to work together. We're going to build unity in the body of Christ. That is our value. Jesus said in John 17 again, My prayer is not for them alone, but I pray for those who believe through their message, that th- that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one in them and you and me. May they be brought, here's the answer, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as, you have lo- even as you have loved me. There's the answer. What would Jesus hate? Anything that would get in the way of his love. What gets in the way of his love? Disharmony, disunity. Jesus wants us to reach the world. What's keeping us from reaching the world? Could it be that, the, that unity is the key to reaching the world for Christ? Paul Bilheimer said it this way, the continuous and widespread fragmentation of the church has probably been the scandal of the ages. It has been Satan's master strategy. The sin of disunity probably has caused more souls to be lost than all the other sins combined. This is why disunity is what Jesus would hate. Because while we're arguing on board the boat, there's a bunch of people out there drowning. And they don't want to get on because they're thinking... Why? Remember those people I told you about? I had the donkey friends who told me I should get out of ministry because I didn't have my doctrine straightened out. You know what was interesting about that story? You know where they ended up going to church? With us. They told their friends to go kick themselves or something I don't know and they decided to come with us because what they found with us was even though maybe our doctrine didn't necessarily exactly agree with them what they saw was that the body of Christ here at Parkview is going to be about loving God and loving each other and that's what was really important and they got a hold of that you see, what happens is when you leave this earth, when you get to the end, Jesus is not going to ask you what your view of the end times was. It's not going to be like Monty Python. You know, tell, tell me how many, you know, how many of this and answer all the questions and make sure you get it all right. When we get to the end, it's going to be the end. If you happen to go into the doctor's office one day and he says, you know what? It's incurable. There's nothing more we can do. You're not going to sit there and think, I wonder how many times we should have communion or how many cups we should use when we have it. When we get to the end of this life, there's only one thing that's going to matter. It could be summed up like this. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. So as we close, we're going to do a little uh, demonstration of what that unity ought to be like. I'm going to call out uh, <clears throat> denomination names, including Christian. If we've just never been a part of anything besides this, that'll be a denomination for you. I'm going to call out those names, and I want, if you were, grew up as a part of that church, I want you just to say that name back to me, so we can kind of get a, 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 you know, an idea of where everybody came from, okay? Let's try it. Methodist. Methodist. Nazarene. Baptist, Lutheran, Episcopal. There's always one quiet Episcopalian. <laughs> I'm not kidding, there's always one. And they're really quiet, you know, Episcopal, okay? Presbyterian. All right, watch this. Catholic. 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 <laughs> Reformed. Assembly of God. Come on, Assembly of God, you're supposed to be happy about it. Woo. All right, Christian. All right, now I know I, mess, I missed some. When I count to three, I want everybody just to, to yell out at the same time the background you came from, okay? One, two, three. Christian. Yes. Lovely, wasn't it? All right, now let's try it again. On the count of three, everybody just say the name Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. You see that? Let's do it again. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That's the harmony that we're supposed to have. Again, I don't think there's anything wrong. I'm not against denominations. I'm not against all of those different things and the way that we grew up or the way that we're doing things here. I just wish we could all get together so that the world would know the love of the Father and the love of Jesus. That's the idea. Jesus said it this way, By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another.
3: can shake me. You're right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out. Ecstatic. You've placed my I've pitched my tent in this in the sand of the land of hope. You've got my feet in the life path. With your face shining upon me like the sun, joy all around me. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning there was a sound like a strong, mighty wind. No one knew where it came from. It filled the entire building. Then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their, all their ranks. Many people spoke in many different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Every day, God added to their numbers. Who were saved. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding wonderful everything honey. in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their
1: resources.
3: so that They each sold everything. Every Daily, they worshipped in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal, a celebration. Every exuberant, joyful, they Una praised celebra- God. No. People in general liked what they saw. They liked what they saw. Every day, their numbers grew as God added to those who were saved. Grew. Know this, there is no longer any room for doubt. God made him Master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you've killed on the cross. Every day their numbers grew as God added to those who were saved. So now what do we do? Turn to God. Change your life. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is targeted to you and your children. To you and your children. But also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. Every day their numbers grew as God added to those who were saved. On that day, about 3,000 took him at his word. 3,000 were baptized. 3,000 signed up. and committed themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Every day, their numbers grew. 3,000 signed up. 3,000. Every day.
2: Everyone was in awe. All these signs and wonders being done through the apostles? And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common.
3: They sold their resources, pooled their resources, and every need was met.
2: Each need Cada was met. Fue Daily,
3: they worship together, followed by meals at home. Each meal a celebration full of exuberance and joy as, as they, praise
1: they praise
3: God. God. Everyone around was in awe. Many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. They were all in one accord, and all the believers lived in a
2: wonderful harmony.
3: They were all with one accord, and all the believers lived in a wonderful
2: harmony.
3: When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong, mighty wind came through. No one knew where it came from. It filled the entire building. Each day, their numbers grew, and they were in wonderful harmony. And, and all the believers, believers were in a wonderful, wonderful, harmony, wonderful, harmony, wonderful, harmony, wonderful harmony, wonderful harmony, and, and holding everything, everything in common. They sold, what, common. Common. They sold what they and owned and, 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 every every resources resources. and they sold their so they. Daily they the each the by every meal et- and home. Dos- <Nephrćistűny> they And every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. Wonderful harmony.
1: In a wonderful wonderful harmony. harmony. Wonderful.
0: That is what we're going to do. So as we have communion right now, let's uh, let's pray and let's ask God to bring communion to us. Lord, as we do celebrate communion, we realize that, uh, that that's our time to be with you and to commune with you, to have union with you. That's the whole point. But at the same time, Lord, your your last prayer was that we would have union with each other. So as we take communion right now, as we think about who we're going to write a note to or how how we can encourage our brothers and sisters at other churches or what we can do. Lord, just help us to understand that we're all saved by the same grace. We all walked across the same gangplank of grace that Max talked about. It's, it's all about you and about what you've done. And we should never think that we have things figured out better than somebody else. It's okay for there to be different styles. It's okay for there to be different places. People are going to believe differently. Everybody should have a a choice to be able to follow those things. But, Lord, we've got to sing with one voice. We've got to be united. That was your prayer, and that's the only way the world is ever going to see. We talked about last week, Lord, if the world sees us taking care of kids, they're going to want to be a part of you. That's why you hate it when we don't do that. This week we talked about unity, and you hate it when we're... Involved in disunity and disharmony. You hate what goes on in the fragmentation of the body of Christ because you want everybody to come to you. You want the world to know that that you are about love. So be with us as we commune with you right now. Help us as we think about how we can be a part of the solution and stop being a part of the problem. Lord, if there are people out there who are uh, coming here maybe early on and they're trying to figure out what it is that they... um, They have as a relationship. Maybe they're not sure if they even believed in you before. I hope today makes sense. I hope this series makes sense to them. And they can see what the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're full of imperfect people. But this is what you really wanted. And maybe as they've seen that. Maybe today is a day they could open up their hearts and say, okay, I get it. Jesus, I understand I need grace. I understand I'm drowning out here. I need you to save me. I accept you as my Savior. Please take me to be with you. Run my life. Lord, for all of us, we just spend a moment here in communion and we thank you for your death on the cross that made it possible for us to be in communion with you in the first place. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Um, Take out both cups as they come by. There's like one inside of the other one. Just grab it and hold it for a minute and we'll all commune together in just a second. I say this every week, but it means a lot more today. Maybe all believers, doesn't matter what kind of background you came from. All believers are welcome to commune with us now. Jesus said, whenever you eat this, remember my body that was broken for you. Whenever you drink this, remember my blood that was shed for you. Lord, we do acknowledge the fact that you are the one who's on the throne. And sometimes we get kind of opinionated. We think we got things figured out. Your ways are higher than our ways. You always know what's best. Lord, we just ask that you'd be with us as we submit ourselves to you, as we submit ourselves to each other to do whatever we can that leads to mutual peace and edification, that that we can love each other. That's what it's supposed to be about. Be with us as we love each other. Be with us as we love our brothers and sisters in other churches. And be with us as we love those people who don't even know you. Because that's how it's supposed to be. That's how they'll know that you're there is through our love. In
2: Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hi everyone, this is Heather. She comes today to give her life to Jesus and be united in baptism. Let me tell you a little bit about Heather. There's a lot of stuff going on in her life. We've been at Children's Hospital for some time now and she's doing testing and stuff like that. She doesn't know what's going on with her pain and stuff, but we know that uh, uh, she loves Jesus, and whatever's going to happen, she knows that uh, mm. He's going to be with her every step of the way. Mm. And that is so cool. And I know you love Jesus. And so, Heather, I'm proud of you. I'm excited about this day for you. And one other thing is that uh, today's your birthday, mm-hmm. 16 years old. So, Heather, I'm going to ask you to repeat the good confession of faith, you and mine. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Mom and Dad's here to help. Awesome. And that's awesome. So, Heather, because of your confession of faith, because you love Jesus, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: Happy birthday Heather. Awesome. Way to go. Congratulations you guys. That's incredible. Happy double birthday Heather. That's really, really cool. Uh, We're going to pass the offering now. A little uh, encouragement. So far our offerings in January have kind of reflected the economy. Um, and that's not good in case you know that. Um, so uh, let me encourage you, be faithful in your giving. I know times are tough. I know we're in a new season, but remember that God is the one that's in control of everything. Uh, we challenged a bunch of you to try tithing, and some of you have done it. I want to encourage you to stay with it. God's in control. Make sure you, uh, make sure you acknowledge that. I, uh, I'm going to ask Bill to come out and do some uh, announcements because he doesn't think I'm smart enough to make them by myself.
1: Not that I don't think you're smart enough. I know you're not smart enough. So. <laughs> um, uh, I'll be sending out my resume tomorrow. So, um, uh, If you would, open up your bulletins. There's a little insert in here. If you've been around here very long, you've heard us talk about our three R's. That are uh, the first one is reach people with the gospel, raise them up, and release them to ministry. Well, over the past three years, uh, we've been slowly adding pieces to the second R, the raise portion. Uh, in order to raise people up so they can go out and do ministry. Well, we've got a couple of, of major components that are being added right now that I want to make you aware of. The first one is uh, this adult classes winter session insert for 2009. Um, uh, in the uh, Eat This Book series, Tim challenged us, if you remember, to pick up our fork And start feeding ourselves. Well, what this does is basically we've set the table for you, okay? If you're looking to take your next step with God and growing your relationship with Jesus, um, we've given you the opportunity here and set the table. There's an assortment of classes in here, everything from Bible and theology to spiritual practices to training. So uh, we really want to strongly encourage you to take this opportunity, look through this, sign up for an area of interest or an area you want to grow in, and let us, you know, let us help you out as you, as you learn to feed yourself. You'll notice there's a, some that have a, a fee to it. That's just to recover um, the cost for materials. So we're not making any money off these, obviously. Um, there's information on the front on how to sign up. So if you would do that, we want to challenge you to, to pick up the fork and uh, start feeding yourselves. Also in this area, we've made a staff hire. Uh, Casey Tyke. going to be starting on staff with us tomorrow. Casey is a Lincoln uh, Seminary grad. He's also doing his doctoral work at Lincoln, and he's going to be moving up here with his wife Holly and uh, their baby girl, and he's joining our staff in the area of spiritual formation. This is going to be his uh, primary area. He's going to help us out in small groups as well, so we're excited. It took a long time. We've been looking for the right staff person, and we think Casey's the right guy, so make sure when you see him, you make him feel welcome. And since he's not here right now, he'll be here uh, tomorrow, and he'll be watching this service. On the count of three, we're going to say welcome, Casey. All right? One, two, three. Welcome, Welcome, Casey. Casey. All right. Thank you, it
0: be good Casey. to have you, man. Thanks, Bill. How's that biggest loser thing going for you? <laughs> so, um, just trying to demonstrate unity in the body of Christ, man. That's all we do. Um, Listen, uh, again, if you want to invite somebody uh, to that Synergy thing a week from Monday, just let them know to call in the office and get hooked up. We'll get them a meal. Love to have more of them to come. Uh, and Jim Caviezel, i got a friend that preaches in, uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. They run about 8,000. They had 14,000 come out for Jim Caviezel. So we're anticipating that a lot of people are going to want to come and do this. And invite your friends, but come on Saturday. Because we're going to have one on four, one at four and one at six on Saturday. We're going to add a whole other service. So be thinking about that. That's February 2021 or something like that weekend in a few weeks. I'll be thinking about that ahead of time. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. A lot more stuff going on. We've got uh, three more weeks. We're, we're teaching on this and then Jim. So uh, keep coming. We're glad to have you here. Let's stand together and we'll get out of here. Lord God, I ask your blessing on us as we go. I ask that you'd be with this place. Help us to have unity within our body. Help us to have, be part of unity within the body. And uh, thank you for the fact that you demonstrated how to do that by coming and submitting yourself to the Father and to his will. And uh, not putting your needs above anybody's, Lord. You were humble and gentle and uh, meek. And, uh, and you allowed us to just see a great example in you and to, to follow you. So we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to stop doing the things you'd hate, and we're going to be all about your love. And I ask that you'd be with us as we do that in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May, may he make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. Let's worship out of here in peace. Thanks for being here, everybody.
2: Thanks for being here this morning. Why don't you sing with us as we finish that? I'm gonna make you